We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, Sound on Sides TV podcast. This is Kate Kolsick, and I'm joined, as ever, by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? I am over-caffeinated and under-rested, which is... Almost balancing itself out in a chemically unsafe way. But the big question, are you eating? Because there was a few days there where I was looking touchy. Yeah, I was a little bit penniless. But no, I, I am I am now satisfiably fooded. Yay! Victory is ours. Uh, we have a lot going on right now. Of course, there's Tiff. And so you're Mr. Screener right now. Uh, well, if by screener you mean having to haul ass Screening. down to the screening rooms, yes. Yes, yes. Oh, God, I'd kill for screeners. Um no, they don't really do those here. Yeah, I've probably seen um, 12 films, maybe. Not, not not actually that many compared to some people I know, but I also have a job, so, you know. <laughs> that makes eh. things a little more tricky, yeah. Yeah. We uh, we have our fall TV preview coming this week at the uh, end of the show. It's going to be a short one because so many shows took the week off. A bunch of uh, the, for example, the FX comedies, I think, took Thursday off because of the president's speech at the dnc at least that's my guess same with awkward so it's a little lighter show this week but uh but yeah i know some people have been looking forward to the tv preview mm-hmm. so we're gonna have some stuff good stuff coming for you at the end of the show i i like that louis took the most dickish possible week to take off uh-huh. right in the middle of their three-parter thanks louis <laughs> jerk uh we did get some comments from you guys we heard from tmac and i not sure how to pronounce your name so i'm gonna go with marcio Marcio, M-A-R-C-I-O, so like Marco with an I in there. Please, uh, I, I feel like a jerk, so please let me know how to pronounce your name if you feel like it. Uh, but uh, they, they both uh, enjoyed, uh, they were listening to our podcast from last week, and they both liked Breaking Bad a lot more than uh, than the two of us did, at least this season. They were far less critical on it than, than we were. Um, and I, I enjoyed I enjoyed Marcio's comment about how we uh, can be negative Nancy's. Because that's that's definitely true. <laughs> that is true. Although I also got uh, quite a bit of positive feedback on my fairly negative finale reviews, so that I wasn't expecting, and it was nice to see. Yep, and we got some nice shoutouts on on Twitter this week from people, uh, you know, posting and tweeting that they were listening to the episode and letting their their followers and their friends know about us. So thank you very much for that. Every you know every little bit of word of mouth helps. So we definitely appreciate that. No new iTunes ratings or reviews this week, but uh, fingers crossed next week. Yes, I remain hopeful. we like those. <laughs> we like those. It's 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 my birthday in a couple weeks. You should uh, you should commemorate that by. I mean, actually, you have two perfectly viable options. One is you could send me a check in the mail. The other slightly less cool option is you could like us on iTunes or rate us or follow us or just do something for us. It won't cost you any money. 
but the money option is good too speaking of if you would like to support the show we have a paypal link at the site um on each post so uh, you know if you, if you feel like donating to the sound on site website podcast podcasting family uh, fund it would be very much appreciated <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I know I know TIFF is very expensive for, you know, everybody we have out there covering it. I think it's like, what, 20 bucks a show, a, a screening, if you don't have a press pass? Yeah, I we have one press pass, and I am the one who has that. But everyone else is, is pretty much going out of pocket. So, yeah, we be po. <laughs> we have a couple, uh, besides all the TIFF coverage, we have a couple articles going up at Sounded Site this week in the TV realm. I put up a, a, a capsule review uh, sort of thing for the fall pilots so far. I will be putting up another one soon to reflect that Last Resort is now up online for people to see early, which is pretty awesome. So when I put up my review last week of the shows so far that I had seen and not covered, Last Resort was not available. So I will be amending that to include that pilot as well. But there's a bunch of shows out that people can see uh, early. I think it's pretty great. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, some of them I can't watch because I'm in Canada and, you know, all that stuff is region locked. But, you know, get out there and watch them early so that you don't see so you're not inundated with stuff later, I guess. If, if you're like us and you feel the need to watch all the new shows. And then we also have some uh, a couple other reviews going up, of course. Uh, Trust is doing Hell on Wheels for us, and uh, Dan has Alphas covered. And then Matt is doing Grimm, and then also he uh, just started up. He's going to be doing Revolution. So his review, his full review of the Revolution pilot is up there now, and once that show comes on in a couple weeks with an, another new episode, he will be covering that week to week for us. So lots of good stuff going on at Sound on Sight. But uh, let's get into this somewhat truncated uh, weekend tv what do you say let's do it um speaking of new shows starting up uh i finally have caught up with a little bit of parented nbc has been very kind and is letting me see some of their screeners and so i've got to see the premiere of parented which will be airing tonight as we record this so that's tuesday the 11th so and i it's been one of those shows that i've been meaning to catch up with for forever pretty much because I keep hearing that it's so great but it felt so daunting you know now that they're starting their their fourth full season um but I just watched this episode uh without having seen anything else and I really liked it you can absolutely tell that it's a Kadem show of course he's also the uh showrunner over at at Friday Night Lights where he was the showrunner at Friday Night Lights it has a really strong cast um and it's it, it doesn't feel like anything else that's on TV right now. Just the the naturalistic dialogue, the way you know it's it's somewhat Altman esque in the way that all the characters in these larger family scenes are talking over one another. It feels very realistic, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I'm definitely gonna be watching. Ray Romano is gonna be on this season for a uh, extended arc as a character who is a, a new boss or type person for one of the characters on the show. And I, I really enjoyed him in this, even make, making me feel even worse about not having seen Men of a Certain Age. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to, to watch more of the season. Well, anything that makes you drop Altman-esque has me excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, let's not overhype your expectations, but I think they can be appropriately raised, your expectations, that is. All right. I'm looking forward to uh, joining this season. Hopefully, hopefully the dense mythology and plot twists won't be lost on me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think you'll be okay. Um, the next, uh, we're going to talk about the Daily Show Colbert Report coverage of the DNC. We talked about their RNC coverage, so we figured we would give a little equal time here. I can't, uh, I gotta admit, I was disappointed in their coverage this week. There were some really funny bits, but nothing anywhere near as scathing as their attacks on the RNC. And granted, there's a bias there, and granted, the RNC, by all accounts, was not nearly as well run as the DNC, and the speeches weren't as successful, and that's pretty much any you know, pundit you talk to or you listen to or read, depend, no matter where they fall in the spectrum, would agree that the Democrats did a better job this time around. But in the end of the, the, the previous week, we were promised some hard-hitting critiques of, of the DNC and uh, potentially Obama's first uh, four years, and we didn't get anything like that. Yeah, I, I didn't see all four nights of both shows, but um, I I have to agree. The I mean, the closest to sort of trenchant social commentary that I saw in the Daily Show episodes was probably uh, Samantha Bee's on the floor segment, sort of ferreting out people's biases on the DNC floor, which you know it, it was it was kind of I guess it was kind of a fish in a barrel moment, but it still kind of worked. Um, there was a lot more sort of digs uh, at the Republicans even than, than at Democrats. And there were even like the, I, I understand Stewart's point about uh, just being wowed by Clinton's speech just because he was using numbers and mm-hmm. how he'd missed numbers. And I, it was, it was cute, but it was still a little bit fanboyish. And I feel like it's part of, it's supposed to be part of Stewart's persona that he's an equal opportunity sort of, I would, if not offender, at least questioner, and I don't feel like he lived up to that this week. And it's it's always tricky with Stewart because I feel like he has this fallback where if you criticize how unserious the show can be, it he has that instant reminder. Of, well, this is a comedy show, you know, this is not meant for you know serious. You know, if you're relying on us for your political discourse, there's something wrong with you. But the fact is, people kind of do rely on it for their political discourse. Because, you know, real news kind of sucks. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I feel like they're I feel like they didn't quite live up to their accidental duty this week. Well, and, you know, they they said last week there are many or Stewart said last week there are a lot of issues that can be raised about the successes and failures of of the DNC and the Obama administration just wait till next week and we got to next week and the you know there was one segment that was that was uh a i think well done and very needed looking at the utter hypocrisy of the the dnc vote to add to amend their platform to add a couple things in where they Mm -hmm. had to have a two-thirds yeah that bit i did see they clearly didn't and they just steamrolled it over it anyways but yeah. but the whole week of coverage of the DNC felt far more playful and far less damning, damning than the yeah. RNC. And you know, also the other thing for me is that while they were covering the RNC, they pretty much, at least it seemed to me, they pretty much gave Democrats a pass saying, don't worry, we're going to get there next week. But then mm-hmm. this week they spent a solid third, if not a half, of their coverage making fun of the Republican response and the Fox News coverage of the DNC instead of focusing, you know, granted the the RNC made it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. They really opened themselves up in a way that the DNC didn't, but 
I don't know. I these are very smart people, and I was I was hoping for more. Yeah. Plus, I didn't hear the phrase "corporate duopoly" once, so I was disappointed. <laughs> but you know, eh. we got into some. Uh, I got into some conversations with people on Twitter about this. I know you know people will fall into different camps in this. For the record, I am a liberal and I am a Democrat. Usually, I vote Democrat. That is. Um, so there's, I, I don't think I have too much of a political bias going into this, but, uh, your, your model may vary and feel yeah. free to, well, to tell me I'm, I'm an idiot and yeah, I look forward to talking with you about that. Right. Well, and I'm Canadian, so I'm pretty much automatically a lefty pinko bastard. <laughs> pretty much. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Maybe that's why I'm coming up to visit just because to be amongst my ilk. Yeah. You want, you want to come up to our pseudo socialist paradise. <laughs> Just hope I don't stub my toe. Uh, I have to go to the hospital. Um, but uh, let's let's move on to uh, Wednesday and So You Think You Can Dance, which had its top six. America actually, I think, chose uh, fairly correctly here. They sent Whitney home. Um, she did well with her all-star dance, but she was stuck with Keon for salsa, and it was it was not good. The man cannot move his hips. He does not know how, and it's kind of painful to watch. He made her look bad at salsa, which, you know, she's ridiculously good at that, so it was kind of embarrassing. But Yikes. Tiffany rocked it. She was fantastic in all of her. She did this She did this really great jive. Uh, first, you know, high kick in with the, with the best of them, which apparently is her all-star. Christina Applegate was back as the guest judge, and she's fantastic. So I was looking forward to talking about her with you, because I know you missed her last one. But, uh, you you know, you're busy with Tiff. You didn't get to watch. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially, yeah, the the extra-long reality competitions this week really had to lose out, because I just did not have time for that. Yeah. But hopefully next week. I'm hoping, uh, actually, this is going to be, again, airing tonight, because the, with the new fall schedule, they've moved things around. So the, the So You Think You Can Dance finale is on Tuesday this week. Uh, I'm really hoping that they pair up Eliana and Keon to do ballet, because one of the things they're having people do is do three dances, so a dance with an all-star, uh, a, a solo, and then a dance with one of the other finalists. So... If they're doing that anyways, let them do ballet. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens tonight. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I, right now, my prediction. Um, I, I think it really could go e either way with the women. I think they're both fantastic. I guess I'm rooting for Eliana a little bit more, but Tiffany has really proved herself. I think, and I think it's gonna go to Cyrus. I think he's gonna get the popular vote over Keon, especially with that kind of terrible salsa number that uh, Keon had this past week. But uh, but yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Are you going to watch the finale or are you going to be too swamped? I will do my very best. Okay, let's move on to Thursday and something that you did watch. The Children's Hospital and NTSFSD SUV uh, one-two punch. Uh, first, Children's Hospital behind the scenes. You know, I thought they were both uh, really good this week. And uh, I, I, I keep complaining that I, I want Children's Hospital to, to revert to its sort of insane meta commentary phase uh, at least once this season and we did get that this week we had a black and white behind the scenes episode where we of course got to uh re there's this whole if you've been watching children's hospital for a while there's this whole show within the show where you meet the actors who play the characters and they've got their own personas that are actually fairly consistent and um i always get i always love it when we get to hang out with them and you know we get megan mullally putting on a ridiculous accent and um, actually my i think my favorite detail of the whole episode was lake bell's apartment with her huge blow up of her own face <laughs> uh, that was great 
Yeah, this is definitely the best uh, episode, I would say, of this season for Children's Hospital. I I always enjoy when they do these behind-the-scenes kind of things, and so to have a full episode of it was, once again, was, was a lot of fun. Um, I guess I'm trying to decide my favorite bit. Maybe the uh, robot uh, and dialysis machine is my favorite. That was pretty great. I think my favorite running gag was them having to hide Ken Marino's giant beard under a fake (laughs) face. Yeah, that's true. That was a good visual gag. Absolutely. Um, Then we had, uh, oh, and the network interference is pretty great, too. I enjoyed that. Uh, then NTSF SDSUV, which it had Time Angels. Now, do you think they're actually going to spin off Time Angels to be another one of these? No, uh, they've been oh. doing that. I know they've been doing that every episode this season, like promising another spin off. I think just making fun of the fact that NTSF is itself kind of a pseudo spin off. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah. Even though uh, Children's Hospital was better this week, I actually still preferred NTSF. I have to say, just because. I just love the, the the premise of this episode. You know, it's sort of a Charlie's Angels time travel cup mashup. Um, I just I, I love the many instances of them having to explain exactly what's going on and <laughs> this idea of Da Vinci supervillain and Mona played Lisa. by John Delancey, by the way. Q. Right. Yes. Um, that means more and, to me than it does to you. <laughs> yes. No, but I I do know who who that was. Um, yeah, I don't know. Everything about this was ridiculous and awesome. And Martin Starr getting trapped in time also is pretty good. Yeah. And, oh, and the time slide. Uh-huh. Love the time slide. <laughs> Just the time slide. Whee! Every time. Yeah. No matter how dire yeah, yeah, the circumstances. The, the contrast be- between them soberly explaining what's going on and then time slide. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was definitely good. Uh, before I forget, uh, since I already did, the Children's Hospital guest star, I really enjoyed Timothy Busfield in here. Do you? Are you familiar with him? I don't think so. I have been a fan of his since getting to know him on the West Wing. And speaking of, I just got my my DVDs of that since Amazon had their gold box sale. And I'm so excited for us to eventually do a DVD shelf on the West Wing. But yeah, I've been a fan of his since then. And it was just so much fun for me to have him pop up in Children's Hospital. Um, so yeah, I think definitely the best week we've had in a while for that. And another really solid episode of NTSF uh, this week. So I can't wait to see what they come up with next because it I mean it's it's just been kind of crazy back and forth mm-hmm. with ntsf this season it's got to totally. be one of the best comedies right probably louis wilfred ntsf it's been a it's been a pleasant addition i think um it's it's been, it's definitely been very consistent i mean and, and with that cast it's sort of hard even with a sort of half-baked concept with 11 minutes and those actors you can pretty much get away with anything yeah um let's see i'm, I'm gonna move on to saturday and doctor who dinosaurs on a spaceship now with Tiff, you were not able to watch, and also my pre-planned Doctor Who correspondent, who is also at Tiff, was not able to watch. So I will be fairly brief about this. I do have a review up at Sound on Site about this episode. I really enjoyed it for a number of reasons. First of all, dinosaurs on a spaceship is cool, no matter how much you're, you know, grimacing right now <laughs> and shaking your head. But also, I think they did a really good job of featuring each of their main characters this week. Amy was fantastic she she was very intelligent and courageous and funny it was the funniest episode in quite a while we got to see rory actually be somewhat of a badass and use his nursing skills to help of course mark williams was there as rory's dad which was really nice and that he had a nice arc over the course of the episode i thought that was a really nice touch um and yeah we're, we're seeing hints of the doctor continuously getting darker this week he just 
straight up kills a dude, explodes him. Uh, and, uh, and I have a feeling that's going to continue to be a trend as we move towards the pawn's departure. But, um, yeah, I really like this episode and despite your fears, I, I really think it's a worthy watch. So I, I, I have a feeling you're going to skip this one if you watch next week, which is a Western with a cyborg town called Mercy. Nothing that does nothing for you. Didn't they already make this and it was called Westworld? No. No? You don't no. Not, you don't have that one? All right, never mind. Um, I, I'm not yeah, – I, Westerns – I like Westerns when they don't have cyborgs. So I think it can only be fun, basically. Enough. That's me, though. But, yes, they did make this once and it was called Westworld. But Doctor Who hasn't done a Western for quite a while, not really since uh, the first Doctor's tenure. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, fair enough. Next, we have uh, also on Saturday uh, over on Hulu, The Thick of It, which started up series four. I think if we were going to spotlight something this week, it would be this because it was hilarious. And uh, I, I haven't seen I, I've seen In the Loop. I had seen the first two, I think, seasons, but not the third. Um, so I was so glad to to have this show back. What did you think of this premiere? Okay, first of all, watch season three immediately. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, especially the last two episodes are just mind-blowingly awesome. Especially the appearance of a certain uh, British recent screen veteran, which I won't spoil. Anyway, um, yeah, this was great. And you know what's funny is if you actually put the screenplay, uh, the the teleplays back to back, this probably wasn't all that different from an episode of Veep. Uh, which actually this was written by Will Smith and he did some, not that Will Smith, obviously. Um, and he also worked on Veep. If you put the teleplays side by side for an episode of Veep and this episode of Thick of It, I'm sure they'd be very similar. But there's just something extra awesome about that level of invective and swearing and just general unpleasantness coming from British politicians and civil servants. It's just... I don't know, maybe it's the fact that we've been trained to associate those accents with aristocracy and, and class, and just hearing hearing them just horribly verbally debase each other is just much more satisfying than it is with Americans. Well, I, I will actually say there there really isn't much swearing in this at all, because Malcolm Tucker isn't around. There's just well, no. lots and lots of insults, and yes. I really enjoyed them, particularly all the... Uh, the British culture ones, the Harry Potter references, you know, the, uh, the, there was some, there wasn't any who, but there were a couple other, uh, TV sh series that I'm familiar with, uh, that they were, that were referenced. It felt very smart to have caught the reference. I know that makes me a dork, but I don't really care. Um, but yeah, I think there's just such creative put downs, um, that I really, you know, enjoy that, that banter and that, that timing. Uh, I particularly enjoyed uh, Will Smith, who we had uh, on, I think, starting last season, and his just many attempts to to zing people or drop a reference, and it just always goes utterly wrong. That's sort of a new dynamic on the show, where just one person's just really... Because generally speaking, everyone is great at insulting each other in different ways, and he's just bad at it, and it, that's just, I think, a fabulous thing to add to the dynamic. Uh, so from what I understand, basically what they're doing is for the first few episodes, they're going to be going, they're going to be alternating between coalition episodes and opposition episodes. And um, so next week we're spending time with Malcolm Tucker over at the opposition. Here's the thing. I don't follow British politics also. So even though I've watched the entirety of the thick of it, I, I, I can't explain to you what a shadow government is or a 
or anything like that. So I apologize if there are British people listening who are just horribly embarrassed. But anyway, we're going to be spending time with the other side next week. And then I think pinging back and forth until the last few episodes, which are going to be sort of an arc that involves everyone. So it, it should be epic, even though it's only seven episodes long. Definitely looking forward to it. And I will get on uh, season three. I will get on watching season three uh, as soon as I am able, as soon as my schedule allows, because I love this show. Um, yeah. But I, and also, by the way, surprised not to see more coverage of it out there in the Twitterverse. Maybe I'm just not following the right people. But uh... I don't. I don't know if the fact that it's available because this is the first time that the thick of it. Well, first of all, they're going up on Hulu the same night that they air in the UK, and they're going up uncensored. And as far as I know, that's never happened before. So, at, at, but I'm not sure if it's been widely publicized by BBC America or anything. So I don't know. Maybe it's just people don't really know that it's up. And uh, and, and, and and I feel like quite a few people saw in the loop. So I should think, and not to mention Veep. So I would think there'd be more people getting into this and being excited about it. But I guess people may not know. So. If you haven't seen the first three seasons, it's really not important because every new season is kind of a reset anyway. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, do that now. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's uh, move on to to Monday, though, and I'm going to talk about The Voice season three premiere really quick. This was another fun episode, uh, a fun premiere, that is. The the song, because, of course, they always have the, the judges or the, the coaches sing together at the beginning of the season. They did Start Me Up, which seems like a strange choice. There are like five lyrics in that. So it seems like a strange choice to have that be your thing that you spend several minutes at the top of your show doing. But uh, it sounded fine. Just wasn't particularly thrilling. The The thing that I continue to enjoy about the show is that everybody that they show is good, much like So You Think You Can Dance. They do not waste the audience's time or the viewer's time with people who can't sing, and there's none of that. There's plenty of manipulation, but it's all the, my my father died terribly, or I've been petrified, I have stage fright and I've been petrified since I was a child, things like that. There's none of, there's none of the pointing and laughing at people who fail. And actually, one of the people who made it through this time is somebody who did not make it through last time. And so he came back and got two of the judges to turn around. And it was actually, it was really cool. It was really touching because as soon as all the chairs turned around, they were all really glad. They all recognized him. They were all really glad that, that he had succeeded this time. And one of the, Adam Levine ran up and gave him a huge hug. And it was, it was really cool. I also enjoy that the criticisms or, or the, uh, the, the comments that the judges give were for the most part, very intelligent uh, very, very well thought out and accurate to the performances. At least they were hearing what I was hearing. And that's always uh, a nice thing to, to hear. There's this woman who did, this girl who did uh, No Woman, No Cry. And there wasn't, you know, she technically it sounded good, but there wasn't enough feeling in it. And so she asked if she could sing it again, and they let her. Uh, there was no shooing anybody off the stage. They were clearly very generous with their time when they were, were taping this. Um, and, and so she, she got to sing again and it sounded amazing. It sounded so much better. Uh, so while she's not going to be on the show this time, at least she got to, to go out well. I, I, I don't know. I just really enjoy, if you're going to watch a reality singing competition, for me, the voice is the one to watch. So, uh, I look forward to fast forwarding through all the commercials and much, many of the background stories and watching this show for, uh, for this season. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to, I might drop in on an episode or two, but I, I do find 
just for a two-hour show usually. Or There's a lot of padding. It's it's a lot of padding, and it's also just insanely repetitive. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a difficult time getting through an entire episode usually. Yeah, I can I can understand that. One of the standouts this, this week, uh, Deborah did Hey Soul Sister, and I wanted to like claw my eyes out as soon as she started, even though she's really good. And it was a really good version of that song. I've just heard it too many times because you know it's on like that list of of songs that they have the rights to, and so I think at least one person has done it every season so far. And so I'm just there's so, some of these songs I'm just really tired of, but so far. All the singers are, are are looking good, and many of them look better than pretty much everybody we had last year. So I am optimistic about the future of this season of The Voice. All right. Then let's, let's wrap this up with Alphas, Gods, and Monsters. And we saw a return of uh, one of the characters we'd seen previously. What did you think of this episode? Right, yes. Uh, this episode was much more successfully creepy, I thought, than the uh, supposedly creepy hospital episode. I, I like that it's this is, again, something Alphas does really well, where it starts with a really familiar premise, which is, you know, the kid who doesn't do well in high school and, you know, tries to ask out the pretty girl, but the pretty girl's already got a douchey boyfriend who tries to push him around in the hallway. But then, of course, you find out he can control many, many people at the same time, and then it becomes really hive-mindy and creepy. The, I mean, my only real problem with this episode was it did such a good job mounting danger and dread and tension for, you know, about 40 minutes, and then basically Rosen just kind of had to quickly talk him, talk his way out of it with a you know a dueling sort of like listen to me no listen to me blah 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 which didn't feel like it, it felt like kind of a cop out after such a so much rising action well and the rosen in a white shirt and parish in a black shirt on the two side like by his two shoulders was a bit much in that scene i didn't as well. even notice that but oh yeah, yeah. You're right the way that they, and then they would go behind him and you'd see the two of them literally standing like their heads literally over each shoulder. It's like little, little on the nose perhaps, but I guess if, if you didn't notice it, then I'm sure there are a lot of people who it didn't bother. And I'm just being, you know, very picky. I think this was a good episode. I, I, um, I think the biggest thing for, about it for me is that, uh, well, I guess there's two things. First of all, they did a really successful job. I think of making parish far more formidable and intelligent. I think, uh, we got to really see um, more of him interacting with Rosen, but in a different way than we have before. We finally got to see him have a plan and do something. And I, I thought it worked really well. I loved him killing those two guards and popping up. The lesson was follow orders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah. And although I, 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 I'm doubtful as to whether, no matter how strong you are, you could really, you know, slice, slit your own throat with the plastic cup like a folded up plastic cup but i I went with it because it was pretty badass the other thing for me was that i think because i know you were having trouble with this before i think they did a very good job this week of making rosen and uh particularly nina uh suitably dark and and uh ethically challenged i think i was surprised to see lauren holly's character back and I had no question that what they're doing was absolutely wrong. And the fact that they've Swiss cheesed her brain seems pretty straightforward that they're in the wrong there. So I think they're doing a better good, better job of, of putting that, uh, of Rosen's uh, role as the good guy into question. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, I, again, most of my issues with the episode had to do with the end game. I mean, Stanton's, Stanton Parrish's plan was so 
was kind of brilliant at times, but then in the end was mostly unraveled by, actually was totally unraveled by just some talking. And then, and also in the process, he, you know, he basically lost a whole bunch of his secrets, which just seemed like, you know, again, just relying on this contrivance or just this stuff that he should have accounted for just sort of apparently didn't account for for some reason, which was a little too bad. I I, I also, or two things. First of all, I got really upset when Gary got punched in the face. <laughs> I love I that he like, went no! running after the guy, though. That was pretty great. Yeah, that was good. And I, I like that as soon as you see um, you see a dart in Hicks's hand, he's like, oh, he's going to throw that dart. And it's um, going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, I, I feel like they have the most fun with Hicks's powers. But um, the other thing was, uh, personally, when we got Rosen getting a tour through Stanton Parrish's memories, I, fi- I figured, okay, he knows about Danielle. That's covered now. And then, of course, the big cliffhanger was of the episode was then him finding about Danielle, which felt like, come on, guys. You could have done something better there. I, I thought that was a fitting way to, to end the episode. I, um, Of course, as soon as he got some of his memories, it only made sense but that he would find out about Danielle that way. But I wasn't anticipating the show to go in that direction before the three-quarter point of this episode. Um, so, so that was a pleasant surprise for me. We'll see where they go with that next. But I thought the mm-hmm. last moment worked. If only, maybe I'm just used to seeing enough shows and movies where somebody has, can break into the other person's mind, but they only get fleeting images. I, I don't, Maybe I'm just mm-hmm. too used to that. I will say uh, there's a negative and a positive. That that line about the Borg was incredibly awkward from, from Hicks. Yeah, totally. It should have come from almost any other character. Almost any other character. And if it was going to come from Hicks, just just a slight rephrasing of that sentence would have made it work. And so I don't know if that's the writer who doesn't know what people talk like when they're referencing the Borg or the actor, but uh, that was that was very strange. Uh, but then the, the positive thing, I, I got to mention that, that lovely brief little moment with, uh, with Gary and Kat talking about uh, with Gary's possessiveness over Bill as his partner uh was was i think one of my favorite things in the entire episode and i look forward to cat junior agent uh next yeah. week as i'm sure you do cat's a fantastic addition the, the last moment of the episode i want to mention something that alpha does really really well is i i really like that scene with our sort of uh alpha of the week and the object of his affection when he you know he he, he it seems at first like he's going to take advantage of her and then he just when he realizes the paradox of what's going on and he, you know, that, that feeling of, I have the ability to do everything I want, but it's not genuine. And it's not what he like, actually wants. He wants people to want to hang out with him, not yeah, to have and, to hang out with him. And that kind of really painful little beat is something Alphas does really, really well. Yeah. And there's a good performance from the actor as well. The, the guest uh, star. We'll see. Do you think we're going to see him again? I kind of doubt it, at least not for a while, but uh, I'm just hoping we're going to spend a whole lot more time with all of these people because people aren't watching this enough. Yeah, watch Alphas if you're out there. If you, if you like anything that we just said, or even if you just want to <laughs> give a new show a shot, you don't want to watch The Voice on Mondays, uh, Alphas will be finishing up its season in the next, what, five weeks, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, catch it before it's gone, because there's been no word yet of any sort of renewal, so... Uh... Yeah, check check it out. Good stuff going down on Sci-Fi Channel on Mondays right now. But uh, let's I th- that wraps up our week in TV for this week at least. Things are going to start kicking into gear next week, as we are about to talk about in our TV preview. We are going to take a quick break here and listen to Start Me Up from the judges, uh, or the coaches, sorry, they're very 
particular about that on The Voice premiere last night and then come back with our fall TV preview. So we hope you will enjoy that and we'll be right back after this. Back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kolsick, joined as ever by Simon Howell, and it's time for our 2012 Fall TV preview. And I know there are a few of you out there who have been waiting for the TV coverage to finally get around to covering the new fall shows. Keith, I hope you enjoy. But uh, we figured we'd wait until now because this is when the the new fall pilots are, are coming out. They're just this week is the start of the fall season. So we figured we'd dive right in and we're just like last year, we're going to trade back days, uh, back and forth days and uh, tell you about each of the, the new fall shows. There are like 20 of them. And uh, so Simon, why don't you take it away with Sunday? Right. Well, the only new show I see listed for Sunday is called 666 Park Avenue. It's on ABC. It's some sort of supernatural soap. Terry O'Quinn is involved. It looks like it's trying to take up the Desperate Housewives mantle, except with, like, a supernatural element. I don't really know uh, what is up with this one, to be to be honest. You saw this at Comic-Con, though. Yes. Uh, basically, Terry O'Quinn plays the devil or something like that. He's married to uh, Vanessa Williams. They run this building, 999 Park Avenue, because, uh, you know, it's not actually 666. That'd be a little too much of a giveaway, I think, if if you tried to move into that, a building with that number. Anyways, we meet a young couple in the pilot who uh, are are going to move in or do move in to become the new supers of, of the building to or to, you know, kind of take care of it. And we learn that there are sinister, there's a sinister history to the building. And uh, basically, I think what it's going to be is we're going to watch various people make deals with O'Quinn and we'll see, you know, what happens when you make with a deal with the devil. And usually that doesn't go well. And it's going to probably be uh, watching this main couple get drawn into their clutches. Uh, and it features some strong performances, but even for somebody like me who hasn't seen hardly like just the i've seen the tip of the iceberg of you know horror movies and care you know deals with the devil kind of storylines it was still very uh repetitive or it was all stuff i'd seen before um that's not to say it isn't well done but they're gonna have to work for some originality i think mm -hmm. but not a bad one to check out especially if you like the cast right we may have more to say on that after i get to see it when that airs yeah i'm sure which is uh on i should have mentioned on september 30th Okay, then let's move on to Monday. There, there are only three new shows, uh, net network shows that is on Monday this year. We have at eight thirty on Monday nights on on CBS Partners, which is a new sitcom. It's going to follow How I Met Your Mother, of course, and lead into Two Broke Girls. It's from the creators of Will and Grace, and the premise is sort of based on their lives to architects are lifelong friends and partners at their firm one of them is gay one of them is straight and we're gonna sort of follow 
them. But we have uh, Michael Yuri, who people know for Mugly Betty, as one of the two. David Krumholtz, of course, from Numbers, as the second of the two. And then Sophia Bush is is uh, Krumholtz's fiance, and Brandon Routh is coming back to TV after Chuck um, to play Michael Yuri's boyfriend. So we'll see uh, how that goes. Buzz has not been good so far on this one. I like how when they were adapting their, you know, theoretically adapting their lives to this TV show, they couldn't just make themselves guys who make a TV show. They had to be lawyers. No, architects. Sorry, architects. Yeah, that's right. Yes. You know, still, they really... Well, at least, I mean, I'm kind of tired of, you know, watching things about writers and the writing process. So maybe, you know, it's been a while since I saw an architect on TV. Fair enough. Although them actually getting into the nitty gritty of architecture seems fairly unlikely. Yeah, fairly unlikely. Yeah. The next one is The Mob Doctor, which is going to be on Fox, and that's premiering on the 17th. Um, and that's at 9 p.m. That is starring Jordana Spiro, who I enjoyed on, on My Boys. And uh, she's been in a couple other things, too. It's set in Chicago. And it features a main character who is a brilliant surgeon, but whose family has a debt to the mob. So, yeah, it's the the premise just sounds painful. And it is glad as I am to see Jordana Spiro having a lead in a show, because I do very much enjoy her. Uh, it just, and there's other casts in here that I, that I like too, but it just, it does not, doesn't sound like a good show. We have Zach Guilford, of course, QB2 from Friday Night Lights, and uh, Jaco Ivanov is going to be in this as well. He's always great. I assume he's one of the mobsters. He's got to be. Uh, yeah. I, I think I heard rumblings that Ember Gyokaj was going to be in this, but I'm, I'm not seeing that anywhere, so maybe that was just made up. But uh, but no, the uh, yeah, I, as much as I like this cast, that, that premise sounds painful. But again, I haven't well, seen this pilot yet, so we'll see what happens when yeah. it comes out. Well, and also I have this mental block where it's like, if they didn't have the imagination to call it something other than the mob doctor, like how yeah. good could it be, really? I mean, I, I know you shouldn't judge things that way, but I'm totally doing that. And <laughs> it's, it just it does not sound good. Yeah. Um, the next one is Revolution, which is on NBC, also premiering on the 17th. And that is going to be on it at 10 p.m. on After the Voice. So uh, clearly NBC is kind of pushing for that to be their new show. Uh, the new fall show, that is. Uh, this is set in a post-apocalyptic, or I guess apocalyptic, it's hard to be post-apocalyptic, uh, world where technology has failed. And it's set 15 years after that point, and we watch a group of people go off in search of f- first this one character who becomes one of the main characters, and then off in search of one of the main character's brothers. And... Uh, this is created by Eric Kripke, who people will know from the, being the creator of Supernatural, and it was directed by by John Favreau. So there's some pedigree to this pilot. Um, it's also being produced by J.J. Abrams. This is uh, actually the the best of the pilot, at least until Last Resort, which just came out last night. But uh, up until that, this was the best of the drama pilots that I've seen this fall. Uh, this you know so far this year, which is I'm at about. 10 I've seen 10 or 11 um so I think it has promise it's not a slam dunk it's nowhere near as good as um the other pilots the other main main pilots from J.J. Abrams but I think there's potential here you got to see this as well yeah and we'll have more to say when uh when airing week uh, actually turns up 
this premieres on September 17th, so it's pretty soon. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's definitely got, it has some elements that work and it has some surprises and it has some, uh, some good, some good casting. I mean, Giancarlo Esposito is fantastic in this. Great. Yeah. Uh, and I'm hoping he gets lots and lots to do. It seems like he will, but other, other members of the cast, not so good. Certain elements, not so good. Certain bits of dialogue, not so good, but you know, pilot. So we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> there is a sweet sword fight in the middle. That there always is, helps. Yeah, there is a pretty sweet sword and bow and arrow and gunfight. <laughs> uh, yeah, there. Yeah. Well, so you can also listen to uh, you can listen to some the our our podcast about Comic Con to get some more of my thoughts about that because that was screened at Comic Con. Um, and there's a post up at Sound and Sight with reviews of some of the pilots that I've gotten a chance to see, and this is one of them, so you can find out more information at soundonsight.org. Let's continue, though, and go on to Tuesday. So what, what which one are you going to talk about first, sir? Right. Uh, let's start at 9 p.m. over on NBC and premiering on September 11th, they've got two new shows. First up is Go On, which we already talked about a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. It's not good. Let's, uh, that's, that's it. Uh, then there's The New Normal, which... Okay, I, wait, I wait, wait, okay, wait. It stars Matthew Perry. What? We already talked about this. It's got Matthew Perry. It's bad. It's as a man who, as a sportscaster whose wife he has died and he's forced yeah, into he's, group he therapy. To to therapy. And wackiness and ensues. Wackiness ensues, and, it, and it's bad. Okay. I liked it more than you did, but yeah, it's not great. <laughs> okay. We've now said more than I wanted to about Go On. Uh, next up is Ryan Murphy's The New Normal, which uh, airs at 9.30. And uh, as other people have commented, really, if he'd had the balls, he would have just called it normal. And it's about uh, an unconventional family arrangement. And actually, you've seen this, and I haven't, so I'm at a disadvantage here. Yeah, this one is also it's one of the ones that has been put out early for people to watch online, uh, though apparently Hulu hates Canada, so it might be hard for some people to find. But if you're in the States, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Uh, yeah, I think this is actually one of the more likable pilots I've seen so far, as far as the comedies go. The 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 comedy slate is, is not good this year, but uh, I think the cast is likable enough here for this to work. Unfortunately, they're wasting Ellen Barkin in this role as the cliched, bigoted grandma who, you know, who says stuff. You're like, oh, grandma, only... We're, I think we're past that point now. Now it's just racist and, and homophobic. It's not funny. So uh, the, other than that element, I think the rest of the show works you know, fairly well. And they actually managed to make me like the precocious young child, which I wasn't anticipating. So oh. as far as these things go, not bad. You know, If you're looking for uh, a show, I think it, it would fit well with, uh, with, with Modern Family if it were on that network. Um, but if you're looking for something like that, you know, check it out. See what you think. All right. Well, I'm just hoping it doesn't flame out spectacularly uh, as quickly as some other Ryan Murphy shows have, for me at least, because, uh, boy, uh, they really have. Uh, next up is uh, Ben and Kate over on Fox. Uh, this premieres with The Mindy Project on the 25th. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, this is a sitcom about a uh, brother and sister who are exact opposites. Uh, that's really all I got. I, again, this is one that other people have seen that I haven't. I know also this is one of the sort of more beloved pilots, if we can say that, among mm -hmm. the among the comedies, which we probably can't. 
Uh, I don't know. I, again, you've seen this one. Uh, is it? Is it? Does it stack up against uh, sort of the other sort of purportedly good pilots we've got? I did not enjoy this one anywhere near as much as most critics seem to have. I didn't laugh once, and uh, that seemed to be the common thread when critics were praising Ben and Kate is that they laughed. So I didn't. So I, I don't really necessarily see where they're getting at. I think it has a lot of potential in that, I mean, I really like Lucy Punch. She's one of the, the cast here. She's one of the friends. I think that the, you know, there's potential with this group of people, but I'm really tired of the, she's responsible, but doesn't know how to have fun. He knows how to have fun, but doesn't know how to be <laughs> responsible. How will they ever learn? I mean, who hasn't seen that five times as many as you know times as they would like to have? Um, and then, of course, there's also another precocious child. That's two, we're two for two so far of shows that have a a, a thirty something lead who had a, a child very young, in, like when she was sixteen or something, so that we can still have a thirty something lead and there can be an adorable child. Um, right. Yes, and of course the child is more responsible than the eldest brother. You've seen this before, but yeah, I may you know I assume that this has got to be something where the critics who are praising this have seen more episodes, and so maybe it gets better after the pilot. Um, the pilot isn't bad; it's just it's you know something well, we've all seen. Comedy pilots are even harder, I would say, than drama pilots. Yeah, it's, you know, that's the thing I always remind myself with when looking at comedy pilots, and it helps to not get too discouraged that way, is that the the pilot for 30 Rock is terrible, the pilot for Parks and Rec is terrible, the pilot for Community, and and pretty much all of the my favorite comedies that are currently on the air uh, are, are, are not good. Take, I remember the Community pilot being pretty decent. Most people liked it. I did not. I did not think oh, it was funny at all. It took a week, you know, it took a while for them to find the voice of the group. And so I mm -hmm. think that's probably the same kind of situation here. Once they find the voice of the group, it'll probably come together. But yeah, right. everybody else seems to like it. So, you know, take my lack of enjoyment with a grain of salt. Right. Uh, next up on Fox, also premiering on the 25th, is The Mindy Project, which is spearheaded, of course, by Mindy Kaling no longer of uh, the American office, or I guess very shortly about to leave American office. Is that what's happening? I don't watch American office anymore. Yes. Uh, they've announced uh, that this is the last season. So I imagine, right. she, you know, she'll be out of it soon. Uh, anyway, uh, this is one that Fox is pushing really, 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 really hard and uh, hoping it, it lands uh, from, it's sort of struck me as sort of this exact middle point between sort of, standard non-laugh track um, sort of broadcast network sitcom and something like Girls, like where it's sort of exploiting a, 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 a sort of demo we're, we're not really used to seeing on mm -hmm. broadcast sitcoms, but also has this sort of broader approach. I don't know, did, did, you, uh, did you get that feeling watching this pilot? Yeah, I, I actually I do. And I think uh, I enjoyed this pilot more than Ben and Kate. Um, I... I... I, I can see where people are coming from. There are definitely some where they are disappointed by this. I think also it probably is suffering from raised expectations because we all love Mindy Kaling so much. But uh, while I can see where some of the bigger problems with this show are, at least based on the pilot, I think that it I, it has a good tone. Mindy Kaling, I think, has a lot of potential as an actress. There are just a couple moments in this pilot where she really gives her character a touch of sadness. 
that I don't expect from that character. I don't expect from, you know, bubbly Mindy Kaling, and I don't expect from a network comedy. So I think if they find the right balance of that character and the show, it could be really good. Also, I, I just, it's so nice to see a character for once who's good at her job, but a mess in her personal life, but who has the same, who still feels like the same character when she's being good at her job and when she's being a mess in her personal life. It's, so often it feels like they just sort of flip a switch and go from being uber competent to being a moron when whenever they talk to somebody in a non-work capacity, and that's not the case here. So it apparently just takes a little thing like that for me to give a show more of a chance. But I definitely am going to tune back into the Mindy Project. It's after New Girl, so I think it, that's probably a good pairing. Um, but yeah, I, I'm hopeful about this one. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the nice thing about uh, you—you you sort of put your finger on it. The nice thing about Mindy on the show is that she seems um, noticeably more like a real person than most mm-hmm. sitcom protagonists on broadcast shows, um, and uh, to the point where she's not just neurotic, but she's actually almost delusional, <laughs> and and they recognize that and that they ha- they have fun with it, and, and it does get a little bit. Uh, desperate and dark at times, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is nice because you know life is like that sometimes. So if if they can exploit that and still keep it funny, um, that would be great. Not all the jokes landed, but you know no. that's what that's what happens with comedy pilots. Again, uh, yeah. that's so. This is pretty. This is probably the best we can hope for. Uh, <laughs> that's and that's as optimistic as I get. Uh, on uh, at ten on the same night over on CBS, uh, Vegas is premiering, which uh, neither of us have seen, but it's a. Uh, I guess a crime drama uh, with Dennis Quaid and Michael Cheeklis as a gangster in Vegas. <laughs> that's all. That's pretty much all I know, and that's enough to get me to watch it. Yeah, it's a period piece as well, uh, and and so you have uh, Dennis Quaid versus Michael Cheeklis. I will watch this at least to check it out. Yeah, is it set in the seventies? I something like that. I want to say I I do not know off the top of my head, but uh, I'm gonna, it's not. I'm going to go with the 70s. Yeah, it's not old school. It's not like 50s or anything like that. But it's uh, definitely a period piece. So that should be. I mean, if only for the style. Assuming they they get the visual elements of the show right. If you have that and you have Dennis Ooh, Quaid, it's, it's actually set in the in the 60s. 60s. Okay. Yes. But yeah, we'll see what happens with it. Definitely yeah. interesting. It, I mean, it's definitely going to have some scenery chewing acting for sure. Oh, it also, and uh, yeah, there's actually it's it's got a great cast even beyond uh, Quaid and Cheekless. Uh, it's also got Carrie Ann Moss mm-hmm. and uh, Jason O'Mara. So, yeah, I'm watching this for sure. <laughs> I mean, I would have to watch it for the show anyway, but I'm actually going to enjoy watching it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not dreading watching. Yeah, no, it. it's not. It's not. It's not going to be uh, an obligation. Uh, Unlike. Unlike, Look at that transition. Uh, right, yeah, that's good. Um, over on the 16th at 9 p.m. on the CW, uh, Emily Owens, MD. Uh, yeah, so this is a uh, medical drama on the CW. It's going to be airing after Heart of Dixie. That's pretty much all you need to know, isn't it? I mean, well, yeah. Well, we like the we like the the lead. Oh, yeah, no, she's good. Um, yeah, Marnie Gummer. Um, yeah. Anyway, she plays a first year intern who realizes that her her, her med school crush. Sorry, I'm reading straight from Wikipedia. Uh, Will Will Ryder, played by Justin Hartley, and her high school nemesis Cassandra Coppelson also work uh, there. Because apparently there are three hospitals in the world, and that's where. And they, so they all work at the same one. Yeah. 
Sorry, I'm not even forming complete sentences properly because I'm just so bored with medical dramas and teen soaps. And this appears to be both, so... Their powers combined. So let's move swiftly on to Wednesday, and that was October 16th. We're moving back to September here. September 12th at 10 p.m. is going to be the premiere of Guys with Kids. This will actually be airing at 8.30 normally, but they're going to do a preview of the uh, the first episode after the, I think it's the second to last episode of America's Got Talent before it comes back on the 26th that it's regular time. This is a show co-created by Jimmy Fallon, and so I kind of was expecting... Maybe not a lot, but something from it, and I was disappointed. It's incredibly rote. The premise is there are three main guys who uh, each have a different sort of family situation going on, and they each have a toddler. Um, Anthony Anderson has actually four kids, two older kids, and like a six a six year old and a seven year old or something, and then he has twin toddlers. Um, and then we have uh, Zach Kreger is Nick, who's married to Jamie Lynn Sigler, and they uh, he oh also the other thing is Anthony Anderson's character is a stay-at-home dad. Uh, the second couple, uh, the the mom is the stay-at-home parent, and then there's there's uh, Jesse Bradford as Chris, who is divorced from Aaron Hayes, who's Sheila is evil apparently. Uh, Aaron Hayes, of course, we love on Children's Hospital as Lola. She's right, yeah. terrible here. So is the rest of the cast. Uh, I, I'm trying to remind myself, Jamie Lynn Siegler was actually really good on The Sopranos sometimes, and I thought Anthony Anderson was great on Law and Order. All of these people have been good in other things, uh, but they're just they're not here. And and because the not only is this an incredibly broad show, every joke in this thing you've seen at least once or twice before. Um, but but the delivery is not good. They, I, I assume these actors have been directed to be bigger. It's it filled in front of a live audience. Maybe that's part of it, um, playing to the back of the studio as opposed to just the camera. But uh, this is not this is not good. I hope it will die a swift death. <laughs> wow. Uh, is well, hold on. Is it the worst thing you've seen so far? Um, no, it's not because I was offended by uh, by the following, which is the mid-season replacement. Uh, that'll be, I'm sure, we'll be talking about down the line. That's the one with Kevin Bacon. I was actually re- re- reviled. I was repulsed by that. So this that I'm ready to spotlight a shame that one if when it comes up. But <laughs> wow. uh, this so this just I like these actors. I want them to get other things to do. So while the yes, it's great that they're getting money, it would be better if they were getting money to do something that wasn't this just predictable. Yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, I like almost all those actors. I don't, no, I like all those actors you mentioned, and it would be great to see them all in something good. But yeah, that yeah. sounds not very promising. Not very promising. The next show I'll mention is Animal Practice, which, of course, premiered after the Olympics, but is going back to its normal time slot on the 26th of September, which is going to be 8 p.m. on Wednesday. This We we talked about it. I, again, I liked it more than you did. There's a monkey. I thought the monkey was funny. You didn't. If you think the monkey is funny, then you will be far more likely to enjoy the show, uh, as the monkey is the most entertaining part of the show, I would say. Any a sentence here about uh, animal practice? I like Justin Kirk. Uh, it would be nice to see him in something good. That's about it. It's it tries so 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 very hard to be wacky and even community esque. It's it shares it shares directors with that, but uh, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. 
The uh, next show I'm going to mention here is, again, on the 26th of September. That's at 9.30 p.m. Of course, all these times are Eastern, uh, so Central, 8.30. Um, and that's The Neighbors, which is going to be on ABC. And this one has a dubious distinction as being one of the most uh, critically uh, panned uh, fall pilots. So many critics have come at it with this as their worst comedy pilot of the year. The premise is that a couple moves into a uh, a house or a, a community, and when they, uh, they when they move in, they realize that everybody else in the community are aliens, uh, and wackiness ensues. But uh, they've been uh, apparently the aliens have been stuck on Earth for ten years, waiting for their distress beacon to make it for the signal to make it back to their home planet, so they can get uh, taken home. But uh, yeah, it's it's apparently dreadful. Uh, and so I, if I, it's, again, it's one I haven't seen the pilot for, but, uh, if what I'm hearing from everybody is correct, then I would just, you know, suggest putting on repeats of Third Rock from the Sun, which was actually fun. Right. Yeah. No, I, I have nothing to say. I, I don't recognize anybody from the cast and, uh, you're right. The notices have been absolutely dreadful and the premise sounds horrible and <laughs> I'm getting depressed just thinking about it. Yeah. So I will move swiftly on uh, to Arrow, which is uh, one of the worst pilots I saw at Comic-Con. Uh, that, that will be premiering on October 10th. It's at 8 p.m. on uh, CW Wednesday, so it's going to be airing right before Supernatural. Uh, this is, of course, an adaptation of the Green Arrow franchise or comic book series. It is not with the same in the same continuity as the Green Arrow as the Green Arrow character from Smallville. It's a reimagining a reboot of it. Basically, this pilot is really not good. Uh, I know there's at least one critic out there who has it as her favorite new show. Uh, I don't get that, because it's poorly written and annoyingly uh, uh, acted. There's a couple good members of the cast, or a couple good actors in there, but... Uh, and, oh, and also the action is really good. The fight scenes and that all that choreography is really great, but... It's just, there's no substance to it at all. I was literally laughing to myself while I was watching it. Uh, so I'm sure if you really, it, I felt like it was Xena or, or Hercules, but without any self-awareness or intentional camp. If if that sounds like fun for you, I know some people will probably love this show. Go ahead and check it out. Feel free to send me email about how I'm completely wrong, thetelevers at gmail.com, but I was not a fan of Arrow. Well, it's got good muscles. Yay. I, anytime I read a review uh, that's positive for Arrow that feels the need to mention the lead actor's six-pack, I have trouble taking that review seriously. Maybe that's just <laughs> me. But uh, Well, maybe maybe they've just been driven to desperate measures by the fact that there's not much else to talk about. For that show? Uh, well, yeah, then, then why would you praise it? But anyways, that's, I'm going to move on to Nashville on ABC, which is a, a 10 p.m. show. And again, that premieres on October 10th. And this is actually one that I've started to hear really nice things about, really good uh, positive buzz, which makes me happy because, of course, it stars Mrs. Coach, uh, uh, Connie Britton, as a aging uh, country music star who is uh, put on a tour with, with uh, Hayden Panettiere, who's the up-and-coming uh, young you know, singing sensation. Um, and she's playing the bitch and Connie Britton is the, uh, the one who has more talent who people aren't 
you know, listening to anymore. So I imagine it's going to be soapy. Apparently they're recording some music for it, but I, I was going to, I was sort of disappointed or at least anticipate, um, at least, uh, trepidatious about this one, but apparently they, they pull it off. It, it sounds like it's actually pretty good. Powers Booth is in the cast as well, along with, uh, uh, along with Eric Close, who I really enjoyed um, back on Now and Again. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm looking forward to this one now. Now, earlier you used a word, but the word you meant to use was trepid. Yes, yes. Trepidatious is in some dictionaries and not in others. And when I tried to figure out how to spell it with a T or a C, the internet yelled at me um, via Google. Google yelled at me. The search results yelled at me for using what was not a word, but apparently it actually is in Merriam-Webster and in... Oh, the plot thickens. It's in one version of the OED, but not in another. So, anyways, yes. Weird. Uh, anyway, I'm. you know what I'm hoping for after watching FX's Outlaw Country Pilot? I'm hoping for people... I'm, I'm hoping for singing voices that don't belong to the actors on the show. I'm hoping for just really good lip syncing. Like, that's all I want. I don't want to I don't want to not like Connie Britton because she's not a good enough singer. That would just break my heart. Um as for the rest of the show, I mean what's what really interests me is people praising Han- Hayden Panettiere a lot who's never really done anything for me. And apparently she's great on this is just sort of this horrible horrible human being. Uh which is which sounds like fun. Like you said good cast, Mrs. Coach. Yeah, I just really like them to not annoy me with the with the singing that would be nice yeah i'll follow mrs coach anywhere for at least an episode at least uh you know i if it wasn't such a a a genre that i'm opposed to at least i that i don't want to have in my head i would have watched more of uh american horror story just for her um so i'm sure i'll stick with this one for a while but uh i'm gonna go on to the next one here chicago fire which is also premiering on october 10th that's an nbc show this is was actually uh filmed in chicago uh the pilot was and it's apparently going to continue there you can look forward to seeing rob emanuel showing up as the the uh the mayor so that's i guess that's a little interesting factoid um the this is about uh, the members of a firehouse in in, in Chicago. It, I think it's Engine 51. So it's going to follow firefighters and paramedics. And I imagine uh, they're seeing as they're all very young, very attractive people. I'm sure there will be relationship kind of uh, complications going on. But mostly uh, the only interesting thing about this for me is that it's actually filming in Chicago, which is kind of cool. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't have particularly high expectations just based on the fact that I don't know or care about anybody in the cast. You know what? Shows shows set in Chicago are no longer special. You've had a few over the last few years. Not set. Let's, let's move on somewhere else. Filmed. We're done with your city. Okay. And let's, let's move on to a submarine, sir, in Thursday. Right. So, yes, next up is... The Last Resort, this is the new drama from Sean Ryan, who, of course, we know from being the creator of The Shield, as well as uh, showrunner on stuff like Terriers, and uh, also created The Chicago Code, etc., etc. He's been around, and I feel like a new Sean Ryan pilot is always something to be excited about, because you're, he is good at this. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, I mean, The Shield pilot is basically perfect. And um, is really a case study in how to do this, this sort of thing. And, of course, the Last Resort pilot went up uh, just before this episode went live. So we let's talk about it. Um, I feel like 
this is basically Sean Ryan's attempt to do Battlestar Galactica, and not just because it's, you know, on a ship. That was basically a Navy show set in space. Um, I noticed also that this show shares that show's affinity with using Canadian Navy terms. I don't know if you picked up on that. But anyway, uh, this felt like it was trying to do the work that Battlestar did in its first, in its opening miniseries and its pilot in about 43 minutes which means the pacing of the thing is ridiculous. There were a couple of scenes I had to watch over just because they went by so quickly and so much was happening. So many uh, quick switches of allegiance and uh, and and so much characters uh, so, ah, and so much going on. I mean, to me, this isn't this wasn't quite as effective as sort of his better pilots just because it felt like, you know, whenever we get a two hour pilot and we're always thinking, you know, this this wasn't a good idea. This, to me, was a perfect example of a pilot that really, really should have been longer. I think, um, I think actually, somewhere about 90 minutes with commercials, so like an hour pilot instead of the 44 minutes, would might have been perfect. But I actually was fine with this pacing. I liked that it moved. I liked that it didn't slow down for the audience, but expected the audience to keep up. I really enjoyed watching this. I, obviously, it's the best pilot I've seen this fall. Uh and it was it was really nice in that it was uh, a sort of I was I was watching it and as I was watching I was sort of reminded, oh this is what a good pilot is like <laughs> yeah because it's been it's been several years since we had a really solid pilot and some good shows have come out of you know in the past few years but there hasn't been one that's really grabbed you well this quickly maybe, maybe not since the Homeland pilot. Yeah, I get. Yeah, the Homeland pilot last year. I should. You're right. Was 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 really good, but but still, a, a network pilot that was is this good? I feel like you're kind of going back to Lost for the last time there was one this solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast is really good. My qualms that that I had going into this before watching the pilot was that the premise seemed preposterous to me, but I think they did a good job of establishing that it sort of is. A preposterous situation. So it's it's they do such a good job of of stressing that Washington D.C. is really screwed up right now, and so that this shouldn't be happening. But because of a number of circumstances, it is. And uh, due due to the way they handled it, I was able to buy in. Uh, what did what did you think of the believability aspect? Well, it's it's sort of hard to assess right now because the. I think one of the good things about the pilot is it doesn't try to explain everything quite yet. There's still there's a there's a lot about how it went down that we don't understand and won't yet or at least I didn't. I mean it it seems like there's there's some explaining to do that we're going to get later uh which is fine. I I think I mean how many characters got introduced in this pilot? It felt like we got about 2 dozen mm-hmm. and um j- just the just the fact that we kind of know a little bit about who all of them are in this very brief period of time. I mean, I did find it it is a pilot, and some of the dialogue is pretty piloty. Um, there's there's some clunkers in there, especially some of the stuff that uh, Brower has to. We we forgot to mention the stars Andre Brower, by the way. Um, and yeah, so some of the stuff that he has to spout uh, is is a little bit piloty. However. This also had one of the only chills up the spine moments I can remember in a pilot in the last couple of years when Brower gets to deliver that big ass speech, which was frankly an amazing scene. And although I was a little, frankly, I think they should have ended with that. You know, the the little postscript after that is nice, I guess, but that would have been just such a such an f yeah 
closing beat to go out on. Yeah, the the it did just seem to end, didn't it? The that last uh that last line and then they pull back, but it didn't really feel like the actual end to a pilot. I think that would have yeah. been I think you're right, I think that would have been a better place to end it. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens. I think it's definitely a show to watch. You remain uh, pessimistic about the show's future. Oh yeah, it's doomed. I mean, clearly it's doomed. I it's, mean, I, I, I think it. I think it absolutely has a fair shot, and I think it's on a network that is looking for a new show because its highest rated shows are are getting getting up there. Are in se- like, I think Grey's Anatomy is on season eight or something like that. And so I they, don't know. They need a new show to hit. Uh, but I think it's just, it's good. It's really good. And I think people will find it. It's really good, but, you know, okay, I'm going to sound like such a dick right now. I feel like it's too smart. I feel like it moves too quickly. It doesn't play, it doesn't talk down to the audience. It's got a lot of characters. It's got a lot going on. It's got, it's actually quite subversive in a lot of ways. And I, I don't know if it's going to play at home. I think it's going to be great for TV nerds and, you know, people who like Sean Ryan shows, but, you know, I, I, I just don't think it's, I don't, I don't think it's got a home at a, at a, at a network, but we'll see. I mean, I mean, I mean, literally it does, but I just don't think it does for long. Well, the lost pilot is the last network pilot I can think of that is this, uh, it's striving in the way that this one does that challenges its audience in this way. And, and lost had a huge premiere number and, People stuck around for that first season before they started getting to time travel and wonkiness. That that show really connected with a, an audience and quickly. And it didn't. That's another show that did not slow down and wait for its audience. So, I think it. You know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with its time slot and all that. But I think if people give this show a chance, they will stick with it for at least a while. Yeah, maybe. I, I I do feel like the high they're both high concept shows, but I feel like the high concept hook of Lost is a lot simpler. Mm-hmm, whereas this whereas the concept of this show actually takes quite a bit of unpacking. Yeah, that's true. We'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely definitely a good one here. So uh, next up, also premiering on the twenty seventh, is a show that probably isn't doomed, but should be. It's Elementary. It's. Uh, CBS's reimagining, I guess if you want to call it that, of Sherlock Holmes and his adventures with Doc Watson, who is here played by Lucy Liu and is not technically any longer a doctor, but whatever. And uh, Johnny Lee Miller plays Sherlock Holmes, not as an American, which uh, frankly I think would have been ballsier, but uh, they didn't do that. And Aiden Quinn also here now playing a captain as opposed to a lieutenant, as he did on... uh, on Prime Suspect, is that a, you'll have to remind me, is that a promotion or a demotion? It doesn't matter. He moved from Prime Suspect to this. It's a demotion. <laughs> Bam! Yeah, you're right. Uh, so, yeah, we've seen this already. It's, um, you know, I really wanted to be, because the thing is, I don't have any particular attachment to Sherlock Holmes. Like, I, don't, I, I didn't read the book, so I figured, okay, I don't care how sacrilegious this is as long as it's good. Unfortunately, it isn't. So... Yeah. It's not bad though. Um no, it's it's pretty bad. But we'll we'll have to debate <laughs> this more on the week that it actually premieres, but no, it's not good. It really is not good. The I think there are a few things that they get right. I think the change of Watson from a doctor to a sobriety companion, which is something I'd never heard of before and just uh apparently you had to be really wealthy to 
afford that. But uh, I think that makes sense, especially at the beginning, to explain why Watson is always with Holmes. I think that was a clever bit of writing. I think Lucy Liu and Johnny Lee Miller do a good job. I think it's it's got to be such a hard thing to try to make Sherlock Holmes your your own as an actor, just considering that there are over 75 actors who have played Sherlock Holmes on film. It's the most uh, adapted character of all time. The The thing that makes it difficult, though, is that it's it's just really difficult to not compare it to Sherlock. And Sherlock's a lot better. And Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch his... And Benedict Cumberbatch's performance as Sherlock Holmes is, for me, the definitive best-ever Holmes performance. Um, and so when you compare that show, which is so clever in its use of, for example, text on the screen to, to give you a peek into Sherlock's mind, to, to hear where they just have to monologue all the time to, to let you know what Holmes is seeing, it's just nowhere near as inventive. Also, I wanted to see what you thought about this. I found the opening scene of this, which shows the murder, to be troubling in the way that it, it seems to enjoy the violence of that act. Um, well, I mean, it seemed pretty standard, sort of. And that's what bothers me, the fact that that is standard now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, it definitely, I mean, <laughs> that, that this is part of a larger debate. You know, you can you can argue whether yeah. or not stuff like. I'll have to write, write you, it you up. Can go, we can go all the way back to, we can go all the way back to Fincher's 7 and start talking about whether or not that fetishizes violence too much, but. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't the most inventive. It it wasn't didn't feel as inventive as an opening to a Sherlock Holmes show should be. It was just a very ordinary, if very violent, murder scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know the what 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 bugged me about it wasn't that they. If you compare it to Sherlock, it wasn't the the changes and the the things that bugged me about it wasn't that they didn't stay true to the characters or anything like that, which I'm sure is going to bother other people. What bothers me is that the changes that they made were clearly there, were clearly implemented to to be more palatable to people. I uh, know just the way Sherlock here isn't isn't half as eccentric or off-putting or sort of just difficult to be around as He's just any kind other. of an ass. Yeah, but even he's, he's kind, kind of, of like a, a regular run-of-the-mill ass. Yeah, but even then he's not much of an ass. Like he's he's a mm. he's, he's generally only an ass when he's talking to a murderer like he's he's, he doesn't (laughs) like there's one scene where he upsets a regular person that's pretty much it the rest of the time he's 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 right all the time and he's generally not very creepy about it and he just seems way better adjusted than the sherlock that we've seen with with cumberbatch which just seems like a capitulation yeah so basically it's the it's the network and cbs uh take on sherlock holmes if that sounds good then you will probably like it. Yeah, we, we probably could have just said CBS does homes and you would have gotten everything without us explaining what the show is about. Uh, so much. on uh, October 11th, we have on the CW their apparently sequels, reboot, I'm not really sure what the exact connection is to the 90s version of uh, Beauty and the Beast. And, I mean, do I need to summarize what Beauty and the Beast is about to you? Come on. <laughs> well, you could mention that the Beast this time is a dude who has a scar. Right, yes, so um, if you have a scar, that makes you a beast now, just so you know. Yeah. If you were wondering. Beast scar down the middle, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's stars Kristen Crook. It, you know, apparently there's some good action in it, but she's playing a, a, a New York cop. I don't believe her as a New York cop. Which, which fr- frankly, with her as a cop and, and, you know, her relationship to a 
beastly figure in the city that this just makes you think of Disney's gargoyles. Mm. So Love gargoyles. Yeah, gargoyles was good. We should do a shelf on that sometime. Um but uh, yeah, I'm just going to start imagining this as a live action version of Gargoyles. No, that sounds fun. Now I'm more interested and more excited for this pilot than I was before because I'll you go. You know, watch it with that filter. Um, there are only two shows left here for Fridays. Mostly Friday is uh, all shows uh, that are coming back. But we have um, premiering on September 28th for CBS, Made in Jersey, which is a legal procedural. Um, the, the cast is uh, mostly... Not particularly interesting to me, but it does have Kyle MacLachlan and Stephanie March. Of course, I will always love Stephanie March from her time on Law & Order SVU. And, of course, your favorite uh, actor who pops up in these one-season shows, <laughs> assuming this only lasts one season. Uh, that's Christopher Palaha. Um, but it's about uh, a New Jersey lawyer who moves, gets a job at the, a big firm in, in New York and has constant interruptions from her big Italian Jersey family. And uh, basically, it sounds like everything you would think it would be from a legal procedural titled made in Jersey. Yeah. This just makes, this is another one that just makes me sad to think about sad and makes me want to think about other things like anything else. Other things like Malibu country, which is premiering on November 2nd. It's at eight 30 PM. That's going to be on ABC and it's a comedy. It's going to be starring, uh, Reba McIntyre and with, uh, Lily Tomlin and Sarah Rue in there as well. So some, some very funny ladies, but, uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's particularly thrilling outside of that. I think that actually Reba's previous, uh, previous sitcom, was not bad it, it lasted a while and and you know was pretty reliably you know standard you know not, not it wasn't going to explode your brain with funniness but it was reliable while it was on so if she can re- do the same thing here i think you know we'll see what happens with comedies on friday uh this year we have a couple of them going on both nbc and abc are going to be experimenting with that but uh yeah we'll see what happens and yeah. that uh, wraps up Saturday, or that was Friday. There isn't any new programming on Saturday, so nothing to talk about there. Um, but yeah, about twenty new shows. Shall we go through our the schedule and say what you know we think looks good this year? Okay, let's do it. So I guess for me, Sunday, Amazing Race and uh, Bob's Burgers, football. I love my football. Uh, good Wife. That's what looks good to me. How about you, Sunday? Yep, that sounds about right. I mean, we're pretty much going to be a televerse hive mind on this one i think um, <laughs> if you're actually watching it live it's tricky because you've got amazing race and bob's burgers on at the same time uh, but then you can pretty safely watch good wife assuming amazing race won't go long it... they tend to be you know slow, backed up like a half hour from yeah. football how about you give me monday monday all right let's see what's good on monday um i'll give him a shot like i do every season and then see how long it is before i get annoyed which will probably be roughly three episodes and uh, then Revolution at 10. I'll check that out for at least a while. See if they okay. can pan out with the premise in a nice way. Everything else can uh, basically get chucked in a bin, pretty much. Yeah, I like The Voice. I'll be checking that out again. That actually already premiered yesterday. We already talked about it earlier in the show. Um, so I'll be just sticking with that and probably subjecting myself to him yim for a while longer until I quit again. And then uh, Revolution Tuesday, uh, for me... Pretty much just, I guess I'll probably end up watching some of the voice results, but, you know, fast forwarded. So I guess probably New Girl, Mindy Project, Ben and Kate, maybe um, Vegas, I'll definitely check out. We were thinking of watching some Parenthood, 
Yeah, I think we should do Parenthood. Um, I, we're, we're, I think we're just going to add it to the roster when it uh, starts up again. Wednesday, let's see. Now, Wednesdays are rough. Um, I mean, we, we have Suburgatory back, and so I'll probably uh, check back in with that. That's at uh, 9.30. And other than that, I don't really... I mean, you got Supernatural... Yeah, I'll and be watching Supernatural I, well, yeah, in Nashville we'll see, for me. We'll see how Nashville is. Yeah, that's... Whew, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there I don't watch. <laughs> and like Chicago Fire, which I will never watch. Well, I mean, we'll, 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 we'll watch the pilot, but still. Uh, let's let's take it over to Thursday. Thursday, last resort. I Of course, I watch Vampire Diaries. Um, probably DVR, 30 Rock. Um, then, of course, Parks and Rec. Uh, and uh, that's about it. So basically everything that I'm interested in watching on Thursday is in that first hour other than Parks and Rec. Right, you can get to bed early. I'm 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 vaguely curious to see how they wrap up the office, but that'll be more happening in the last few episodes rather than when they come right back. Um yeah, we'll see. 30 Rock of course has a shortened season, uh mm-hmm. shortened final season should be mentioned. So um quite curious to see if they can sort of go out with a bang. On Friday we have Fringe. Yes, we have Fringe, which I'm really, really, really worried about. Also for its final season, uh, not wasn't really all that taken with the direction they seem to be heading. And um, oh, you have Touchback. Don't don't say that. Nobody needs that. <laughs> nobody nobody needs that. At all. I will be interested to see what happens with Community with their new showrunners. And I've like I said, I've been digging Grimm so far this year. So yeah, when when you actually like, it looks like so much programming, but when you actually just kind of circle the things you're most interested in you're kind of left with like one or two shows a night not it's, not, yeah. it's doable yeah as long as you're not really really into procedurals at which point you're in trouble yeah that's that's why the good technology gods invented dvrs multi-channel dvrs so that's our uh, fall tv preview hope you guys enjoyed lots of interesting stuff coming and some kind of scary looking especially in the comedy realm uh but, uh, you know, do you think a better batch or a more promising batch, we should say, because most of these we haven't seen, than last year? Or do you think it's about uh, equally interesting? I don't know. feels like we got a couple of peaks and more valleys. But I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It, it was kind of a rough batch last year. Especially um, in the comedy side. Wow. Yeah. It's just, yeah, not many. It seems like lately FX and Adult Swim are kind of dominating in terms of comedy for me it, with, with rare exceptions, like obviously parks and rec and 30 rock when it's on its game. And of course, 30 rocks going to be gone soon. So it's going to be even more dire soon, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, go into a few show notes here and uh, f- wrap up the show. Our intro and outro music is Sweet Petite by The Bicycles. You can find us upstreaming at soundonsite.org. There will be a post up for this uh, for this episode. Please leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, what what should our question be? Why don't they Why don't they tell us what they think of the different networks putting the, so many pilots up online ahead of time? Whether that's something that they like or they don't care. Yeah, whether people are actually taking advantage of it, which they I feel like they should be, but, you know. Yeah. I'm curious. We'll see if that trend continues next year, but uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, so you can also find us upstreaming at Current. We are in iTunes with an M4A and an MP3 feed. Of course, the M4A feed has chapter breaks, so you can skip around and avoid spoilers and such. And the uh, MP3 feed does not. Let's see. We would love any ratings or reviews you want to give us in iTunes. 
that always uh, makes our day. And yes, it uh, does. you can also reach us on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. You are? I am at Sucker Howell. And also via email, theteleverse at gmail.com. And then finally, we will be uh, having a meetup Thursday in Toronto. So if you are going to be at TIFF, uh, drop us a line so we can hook you up and hopefully get to talk with you guys and and uh, have some fun Thursday evening. Yes. Or, yes, I will. maybe I'll just watch people have fun. Yeah. I don't know. I'm no not, fun not for so you? Good at the- I'm not so good at the fun thing these days, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I'm looking forward to uh, partaking in some local cuisine and beverages because uh, I'm not letting uh, Poutine's destruction of me, utter defeat of me in Montreal, <laughs> hamper my you know my culinary explorations this time around. If there's anything half as good as that almond croissant, I will go home a happy camper. Man, I don't even know what Ontario cuisine means. Sorry, Toronto, but I just don't. I I haven't been here long enough. But I'll. <laughs> But I will work to to impress you. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have a good time. So thank you, everyone, for for listening. We are going to be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.